Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we have Heather Smith from Work, which is a HR platform dedicated to serving cannabis communities on. Uh, but first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Miggy, what's going on? Ooh, <laughs> the good the weed pass. What's, Miggy, it looks like you're made out of weed. What is I, that, dude? I found the blue screen. You found a blue screen, and now this is an update, actually, from the, the distributor that we use to do the show called StreamYard. They've come out with a green screen. So remember to like and subscribe, and you'll see more Miggy as uh, a floating head and arms made out of a sea of green cannabis. Reporting live from weed. Reporting live from weed. <laughs> any any news to report from weed, Miggy? Well, you know, uh, Washington State's still doing our uh, fight for home grow. We're on day nine of uh, legislation. And I can't believe that BS we talked about, about how they're trying to limit the concentrates to 10%. Yeah. What kind of bullshit is that? Uh, and what kind of thinking is that? Uh, and it was a lot of Democrats. It's a lot of Democrats that were on there. But well, hey, uh, in weed news for me, check it out. What does this say, man? I like your 420 shirt. How do you, this says 420? That is 420 in binary. What is, what is it on the back? That's our uh, cannabis legalization news shirt. Yeah, yeah. Miggy got these for us. Thank you, man. That was really sweet of you. And check it out. My hair is sticking out straight to the side. Perfect. <laughs> and those are the same ones that we hope to give out, like, you know, later on in giveaways and shit. Well, why don't we just start giving them away now then? You know, anybody want a shirt? There you go. Hit anybody? in the comments. Yeah. Leave <laughs> it in the comments. Right. But uh, in actual cannabis legalization news, I jumped on... Uh, this this uh, this came out after 5 p.m. Uh, yesterday, which was no, it wasn't yesterday. No, the 21st. Yeah, it must have been yesterday. And uh, and then you have until Monday to get your next round of questions in. But it really came and shed some light on the differences between your craft grower and the differences between the uh, infuser license. And it looks like if you get the craft grower, you also get the infuser license. Oh, and, wow. yeah. Well, check it out. I mean, like add it to the stream here and then I'm going to go ahead and click on this infuser questions right there. And it goes right down. And then you look at uh, number six says, can an infuser do anything a craft grower can't do? Answer, no. Huh. And um, one of them was even more uh, along the lines of, there it is, only cultivators, craft growers, or infusers are authorized to conduct infusion activities. 
So uh, applicant must describe any infused activities. But this also goes into the emergency rules that they put out. Those emergency rules actually do say that uh, you are supposed to um, describe under 13 uh, 1300.375 of the emergency rules for the tra uh, craft growers. It does explain that you're supposed to provide how you're going to do your infused and if you want to do those infusions. So it looks like the craft growers are really going to be even more um, more in demand, but it also looks like, you know, because that says, what is, you know, what can a craft grower do? Can an infuser do anything that a craft grower can't do? Answer no. Uh, and then that, that raises a question. So can they grow weed? Yeah. Craft growers can grow weed. So they're probably gonna have to clarify that, that clear no, mm. you know, because it's, it's too far afield, but it means that maybe the infuser license could be gotten. So, so that you could do the, um, Vape pens. So this, vape pens might be on the infuser license. Would this be a moment too, though? Like until they clarify it, where someone says, "Hey, it says no. I'm going to start growing right now." Well, again, there there are none. So like this this application is the first one. So like there's just no craft growers right now. There's no yeah. infusers. So you know it's a hypothetical. But yes. Um, other cannabis legalization news, and I meant to uh, put this up and kind of lead with it, but we had too much fun stuff. Miggy is literally reporting from cannabis, but uh, catch me tonight at uh, Green and Shy. I'll still have this awesome hair flying right to the side, and um, and I'll be there at the Godfrey Hotel in the Io Roofscape. There's a pretty sweet keynote. I'm not sure the name is the, the name of the guy, but he's got something. You know, he's one of those cannabis companies that you raise money for as opposed to print money from. So I'm mm -hmm. always a little. Um, I have trepidations when it comes to those because I think that the point of a company is to sell value and sell products. The yeah. point of a company is not to raise capital, but what well, do I do? But aren't all cannabis companies right now still raising capital no matter what? Well, unless they're printing money and like you should be printing money. I mean, that's if you're going to operate, operate in a way that you can do and, and turn a profit or like lose five pennies. I mean, if you want to like you're in Seattle, Amazon yeah. doesn't exactly post the biggest profit in the world. They reinvest all their revenue, but they make it up in cash flow. And uh, speaking of cash flows, let's go to the third one. This was actually uh, Stacy was like, hey, do you guys have advertisements for cannabis legalization news? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can you can literally sponsor an episode. And that's that's how you can come on. Um, yeah. And so don't forget, hey, go ahead, sponsor an episode of cannabis legalization news. And I still got to work on so much content. Hey, so uh, did you, you see my <laughs> fucking... Yeah, and it's it, well, it, yeah. I was working on content before I got on here, man. I, um, you know, but I, I have to balance that, and Lauren's going to help me with a lot more of the content because I'm supposed to be doing the law works. I will get there, man. I, I, you know, it's 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 a long, well, hell, just like we were talking earlier with the weed news fiasco. Yeah. It's like, you know, every once in a while, I'm part of a bigger thing where we're getting fifty thousand hits a month, and then something happens. You're like, all right, we gotta we gotta walk away from this right now, and then someone else picks it up or something. But someone else does. Uh, did uh did you see my Facebook post about uh, uh Golden Leaf Holdings and Chalice Farms in Oregon? Absolutely not. So Chalice Farms in Oregon fired uh, an employee there for her cannabis consumption, which might have been on site, like on her break, mm -hmm. um, you know, like for medical purposes, because she's an older woman. She's a volunteer for Parents for Pot. She's part of Normal. Uh, but again, uh, Chalice Farms, who's owned by Golden Leaf Holdings, a Canadian company, let her go. For cannabis use in Oregon, that's that's crazy. I mean, I would understand being fired for not using cannabis in Oregon because that's what I think yeah. about when I think of Oregon. I just think everybody's like they're all walking around with cannabis. But uh, I've never been to Oregon, so that is pure 
I've just made that up. You know, it, it's not real. Yeah. No, but it's just to me, it baffles me where this uh, legalization 2.0, where we're trying to create this corporate infrastructure. Of course, it's still cannabis and you can't be a corporate cannabis company and not let your people like this Budweiser not let people drink. Seriously. I mean, I, I hope they would not let them drink on the line, you know, so like while they're making beer, they're not getting drunk because they will become less effective at making beer. But um, at the end of the day, sure, you know, yeah. go down to the, 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 the tapping room and have yourself a, a flag and a veil. Is that a quantity flag? And I don't know, but we can try it. But right. yeah, it will know more, too, because I think uh, a lot of people are supporting her as far as saying uh, she's a sue because there might be some uh, legislation in the uh, Oregon's uh whatever uh well, that, that's, that's like a thing you know because very often it's built into these types of statutes to prevent discrimination solely for the usage of cannabis but illinois walked an exceedingly fine line which will be uh answered in court where it appeared to protect both they tried yeah. to protect people from being able to be fired from smoking cannabis but they also tried to protect the employers to say that they can fire you for smoking cannabis provided that they do it in a non-discriminatory way. So like if you have a drug-free work zone and somebody pisses hot and that person is responsible for 95% of your revenue, you must fire them. You know, but even with Illinois though, you guys are doing something that's quite different than say all the other medical states where with your legislation, you have now more people going to the medical than you do. Like they're fleeing recreational in Illinois. Because of the tax? And because of the waiting in line and because of the no home grow. But in other news, yes, flagon means a, a large, usually metal or pottery vessel as for wine with a handle and spout and often a lid. Uh, a B, a large, bulging, short-necked bottle. I can handle that. I love that. You know, that's why you tune in to Cannabis Legalization News for definitions of flagon. Well, you drink wine, so that's not an unfamiliar word to you. I'll do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so what else we got going on? Tom Angel, did you see that uh, there's a company out there, uh, Power Plant Strat, a PR firm focusing on cannabis industry. He tweeted that uh, they endorsed the only two Democratic people against legalization. What the fuck's that? So it's not Bernie Sanders, but it is Joe Biden. And who's the other one that's uh, against legalization? Bloomberg. Bloomberg. But I don't consider Bloomberg a Democrat because, like, he's not, you know, uh, he's an independent that's trying to buy the election. Kind of yeah. like Tom, whatever his name is, Tom something or other. Yeah, I'm surprised every time I see commercials for that guy, too. I'm like, hey, guy I don't know about who has hey, a shit ton of money. guy that's got a whole bunch of money and he's trying to buy an election. I admire <laughs> that, you know. Pretty much. Work for hey. Donald Trump. You got somebody who's going to try and see you tonight, bro. I know. that's uh, That'll be nice. I, I like to see people that know me and I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks for watching the show. You subscribed, right? What's this? Uh, how are pens in the infusing section that are distilled product are not infused with anything like food products? Uh, they're infused with terpenes and then they're put into something that is going to create a vapor. The thing is, I asked that specifically. Uh, what can you do? Like, what license am I supposed to get if I want to buy distillate, add terpenes, put it into a vape cartridge? Do I need the cannabis infuser license or do I need the craft uh, grow license? And then here it is. Once again, answer number six. Can an infuser do anything that a craft grower can't do? No. So uh, what does that mean to you? So when are they going to issue licenses? July. Uh, the oh. In July. Yeah. Wow. So you guys are going to be dry for a while, though. Oh, we're going to be dry for a while. But that's all right, because we got home grow and Mephesto genetics 
has shipped my order. Big shout out to Mephesto Genetics. They're going to be on my, uh, the, the most, you know what the, the question that I get asked the most is? Where to get seeds? Where to get seeds. And so, because uh, all these, uh, now we got home grow in Illinois. And so the medical patients are allowed to grow at home, but nowhere. Like I was just at, it was this, I went to New Med Chicago, worst freaking cannabis buying experience uh, ever. And it's not the fault of New Med. New Med's experience was great. The problem was that there's no product. And so like they have a one page menu that looked like a tic-tac-toe board of just like nine boxes. Three of them were already sold out. The only thing that you could buy was gummies or uh, a couple of vape pens. And the vape pens are because I I buy vape pens as a medical patient. and I'll be paying like 60 bucks for 500 milliliters or milligrams of uh, distillate in the vape pen. And then these ones were 75 for like 450 I'm like, wow. So, and then that's before, nope, that was with all the tax. So that's probably why, uh, because, you know, you add all the tax and it's like an extra 15 bucks worth of tax for the same vape pen. You know, I was uh, listening to Josh the other day in his uh, chronic co- uh, podcast. He was talking about the, uh, the, the vape crisis that happened just now and uh, how, you know, this vitamin E acetate thing, a lot of people just assumed uh, that it was going to be uh, safe for consumption and, uh, he, he points out that you have to go, a lot of these people are just going low quality no matter what, you know, either it's cartridges from China or uh, uh, what would you call it? Like a carrier or how would you de- de- describe the thing that the acetate or the. The acetate kind of used for the terpenes from what I understand is that it's, it has to do with the viscosity and yeah. it's supposed to lower the viscosity and make it more runny so that it can uh, slide over those little um, electric probes that are like the heating element mm-hmm. that heat the cannabis extracts to you know vape point but below combustion point yeah yeah this guy none of this pose have seeds in illinois they do not they do not have seeds in illinois so where do you get them i mean like you it's been three weeks you're a medical patient you're entitled to grow um how do you how do you grow while keeping it legal you know it's very difficult if not impossible right now well, I mean, how did we grow before? And that was usually through the back of high times. And you find those ads, you cross your fingers, you send your money in on a check that you wrote down on paper, and you hope it comes back. Yep. <laughs> you know? But yep. I can't tell you, Mother's Gen- uh, Organics, Mother's Finest Genetics is a, a good seed company, too. But really? you got yours. Are they uh, uh, Chicago-based, Illinois-based then? Oh, no, 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 no. All, all I know is that it's shipped. No yeah. idea what's going to happen. But, uh, spoiler alert regarding the um, uh, the marijuana seeds or the the seeds web page that I'm working on so that when people Google how to buy cannabis seeds legally in Illinois, it'll come up. Uh, and uh, you know how much cannabis seeds weigh? No. Like, nothing. Like basically nothing. So like if you bought like a hundred seeds, it'd only be like an eighth. Mm. And so how do they do, how do they bust you for cannabis? By weight. Yeah. Right. And so like brownies, for example, they're going to bust you for a whole brownie. And I guess that's crap because like, the weight of the actual cannabis in that brownie might be 50 milligrams, but the brownie itself, what might. Yeah. But, Oh, Tom froze. <laughs> but, I might you know, have to dip out and dip back in, but this is hardwired in. Well, you did long. You lasted longer than you usually do, my friend. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, the, the thing about seeds too, though, um, I thought because we, they come through the mail, they're shipped through, uh, technically they're not, illegal i mean i know mark nope. emory was let me just uh again uh f- this might screw up 
my feed because I only have so much bandwidth here in Chicago. Comcast, by the way, not a sponsor of the program. Not very fond of them, but whatever. And so uh, if I look up the Controlled Substances Act, and not only just the Substances Act, but also the definition of cannabis, of marijuana, I apologize, because cannabis is not a defined term under the Controlled Substances Act. Uh, and then we pull up, uh, yeah, this is a DOJ website. So uh, bear with me because this might break it. Um, and so I'll put this up on the screen real quick and then I'll narrate it for the people that are listening at home, which we actually do have listeners. And so uh, you have to look at the controlled substance and then I'll you know, we'll just do a global fine for marijuana. And uh, the term marijuana means all parts of the plant cannabis sativa, whether growing or not the seeds thereof. And uh, the seeds thereof, well, it's kind of like that, uh, that reading on question six. What does it mean when it says that the infuser can do everything? Is there anything, how do they phrase it? Can an infuser do anything that a craft grower can't do? No. Yeah. So, uh, uh, the seeds are federally illegal. I'm sorry, wrong one. Hit that. There we go. And so because the seeds are federally illegal, then you have to get back to the weight. How much does 10 seeds weigh? Maybe yeah. a gram maybe two grams tops. So what's the pen penalty for two grams? In most states, it's already been decriminalized, you know, and because it's so low of a weight, I just think that's, and then some states allow that. And some states allow uh, people to sell the seeds online because you can get that license to be able to sell the seeds. Uh, yeah. In theory, after we have Andy Smith is saying way less than that. Yeah. Seeds are very, very light and, you know, when they bust you, they bust you on the weight. So if you have like a handful of seeds, it's like, oh, that weighs an eighth. That's so, nothing. When I um, go all the way around now, because now to legalization as a company, uh, for you guys in, in your craft grow, in the applications, are you guys doing um, like part of the application? Like we, we talked about earlier with securities. We'll do, we'll do soup and so we'll do soup to nuts with the uh, partners that we have throughout the industry. And so right now, the uh, the consultants are really, really thick when it comes to your craft grow, your infuse. But nobody has any clue what's going on with the transporter license, which is pretty cool. But the transporter license really has not existed anywhere. And that's one of the problems with the transporter license because they've set it up like a liquor license, a liquor distributor license, you know, where they're going to be wholesaling. But you can't wholesale in the stuff because of IRC 280E. You're literally brokering in uh, marijuana. So you're going to get to totally double taxed. So then we're like, well, then the business model needs to be a courier business model, like a FedEx or a UPS. It's going to be doing price per weight per mile or something like that. Yeah. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, I don't know if you're going to be able to cash flow this business. But for those kind of companies though, like, like, cause they're auxiliary companies of cannabis though, don't they also have requirements like with you with the uh, social equity stuff? How about with like the HR stuff and, and that kind of, you know, uh, is that a part of the requirements? Uh, yes, you need to have a diversity plan that's going to speak to how you have um, a plan to address hiring a, and not just hiring, but it's ownership, management, hiring and contracting uh, on a diverse method, you know. And so it's very important for that. And then not only is that very important, the master growers are important, the growers that you have themselves and the people that you need to staff the company. So HR is huge because there are specific transferable skills from other industries that you can get into the cannabis industry for and see if it's right for you. Yeah. And I think our guests can help us uh, understand more about the, uh, the inner workings.
Absolutely. Heather, what's going on? Hey guys, perfect intro. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Can you tell us a little bit about work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Super stoked to be able to contribute and learn uh, the past few minutes. Um, <laughs> so work is a payroll and HR company specifically for the cannabis industry. We help people with all of their onboardings. When you have a new employee, making sure that their paperwork is filed correctly and then time tracking and scheduling and performance management, and then kind of the bread and butter of what makes us different in the cannabis industry specifically is being able to offer direct deposits to people. So um, we can jump into kind of the details of how that works, especially with people that have banks and operations that don't have banks too. Um, but I'll stop there and, and let you guys jump in. So you offer like a payroll option? Yeah. Payroll is, is really where we're excelling um, because a lot of the mainstream payroll providers that you might think of, such as ADP and Paychex, Paylocity, they're not willing to jump into this space. Yeah, um, I got I got bounced from my PEO. The, the yeah. first one I picked, I got bounced from it. I was trying to do, I can't even remember their name. Uh, it was one of those internet startups that says, hey, we'll do your, uh, your payroll for you. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I help these people get out. Yeah, it's... Yep. it's, it's yeah, it sucks. And I think that's why we have been able to have the position that we do is because this is the industry that we want to serve and um, we care about it very much. And because of that, we've established very compliant banking relationships to allow um, real ACH direct deposits. Yeah, and you absolutely need that. So you're probably working with one of the one of the 600 banks that or financial institutions, because that's about 400 banks and 200 credit unions that are allowing cannabis clients to come in. And then they're they're doing a very thorough, rigorous compliance process where they have to keep up with these things from the Department of Treasury called the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, a.k.a. FinCEN. And uh, there's these suspicious activity reports that they need to file just right. And so I'm glad that you're providing that. Is work, uh, would you classify that as like the cannabis PEO? So we're a little different than a PEO in that you as an operator still own your employees and you own your data. So we're a software system or a SaaS um, that you can still have full ownership over all of your employees and all of your data. What we do provide to some of our small and mid-market operators that may not have a dedicated HR manager or enough resources is managed services. So if you don't have the capacity to do the payroll and the taxes and all of that kind of complicated HCM process, um, our team can actually come in and handle that for you. But you can access the technology at any time. It's a lot less expensive than going with a PEO. Um, and in, you still own your employees. So there's probably a to both approaches. Would you be able to help them find a bank? In some cases we have. So um, I mentioned that we do work with clients that already have bank accounts and we can pretty, I mean, we do go through a rigorous bank vetting process as well, um, but we can easily start doing the direct deposits. What we do with clients that don't have a bank account is set them up so that they have a paper trail. And so when they get audited, they can actually say, Shelly worked these hours, I paid her in cash, she signed off that she received, and then they can take that information to the bank. And, and it, that has helped in conversations with our clients to get a bank account. So um, like, sometimes like, we don't want to promise that. You mentioned when they get audited, not if they get audited. Why yeah. would you say oh. when? Yeah. yeah, very special catch. And that's 
it's insane. It's insane the amount of times that the cannabis industry gets audited and, you know, add that to the multiple hurdles with just banking and other regulations that, that we have to deal with. And that's why it's so, so important to just dot your I's and cross your T's triple time, you know. Do you, what do you um do you guys service everybody from growers i mean farms to stores everybody. to everybody so you got the whole yeah. gamut of, of uh, the industry yeah every vertical and it's interesting because um we've had some clients like astro farms in northern california they're 10 15 employees now full outdoor cultivation and we're doing their managed services too um and she was able to secure a bank account as well and then we have clients all the way up to, um, you know, Harborside and some of the multi-state operators like Acreage and Ianthus that have what's um, what's called an FEIN or a, t a different tax ID for pretty much every operation in every single state. And we've had clients that have upwards of 27 tax IDs, where if you look at the fast food industry or any other kind of chain food industry, they may have like one or two tax IDs, but multiple locations, hundreds of employees. And just managing that little aspect is pretty complicated. And um, that back end is really something that our, our clients in the industry probably don't see. Let's flush that out a little bit, because when I'm recommending to my clients that they create another LLC or another corporate entity for their next cannabis license, the reason why I always say that is because you don't want to jeopardize your other cannabis licenses, but also when you're in any particular state. So when you say that these cannabis companies that are MSOs, and if you're following along at home, that stands for multi-state operator, uh, it has 27 different FEIN numbers. That means they have 27 different corporate organizations because each one of those corporate organizations correlates to a different FEIN number. Why are they structuring it like that? I think part of it is to um, set yourself up for certain mergers and acquisitions in the future. I've seen some people do it that way. I think part of it is, um, is different regulations per state. Um, you may actually know a little bit more. Some of our holding companies have figured out ways to do it differently. Um, we still recommend that everyone works with their, their accountant and their legal and compliance departments um, when setting up those LLCs to, to make the most out of their deductions and, and how they're reporting. When you do payroll, I'm curious too, do you offer any services too for like a 401k or anything for these kind of people? Excellent question. So yes, we just partnered with a broker called ABG um, and we've got a couple of other benefits brokers and, in, in, you know, the basics, mental or vision and dental um, and health. But it's funny because it's not funny. It's actually awful. 401ks haven't been offered in a lot of respects. <laughs> How, do you? How do you offer a 401k, you know, right. tax so, advantage, ill gotten cannabis money. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of our clients are offering 401ks without a match, um, and they're still offering maybe stock options or some other kinds of benefits that can help appeal the deal. Um, but it's like you said earlier, it's so important to partner with people that understand cannabis and are transparent about that. We've talked to other providers that say that they will, and we get down to the paperwork, and then it turns out that they haven't included cannabis at all in our CSA, our agreement with them. And so in every partnership that we recommend to our clients, whether it's a broker or a 280E accountant or anything else, we are very, very strict about the fact that they have to serve cannabis and they don't 
um, you know, run any risk of being dropped by that provider in the future. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be quite the trepidatious area, the conversation you have every time you talk to a banker in a suit. Um, by the way, um, it's cannabis related. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I mean, luckily the conversations are starting to, um, to be a little bit more widely accepted. We have established banks um, that are very specific and about serving cannabis and open about that. Um, but there's still so much work to be done. We were talking before we went live about the Safe Banking Act and the access for everyone um, to be able to have real support system. And, and we're just not there yet. And it's really no. unfortunate. It's terribly unfortunate, but it, it like the Safe Banking Act is not coming this year. It's not. I mean, like what they did to it in the Senate was pathetic. And so now, right right now, as we sit here and discuss this, by the way, uh, no, full disclosure, this is a federal conspiracy that we're committing on, on YouTube. Thank you, YouTube, for allowing us to commit this. We're trying to not commit a federal conspiracy. We're only committing a federal conspiracy because the idiots in Congress are not getting off their duffs and they are not helping pass the Moore Act or the Safe Banking Act as soon as it hits the Senate with the 52 senator majority for the Republicans who right now are defending the president on the Senate floor. Um, I don't know when that's going to change. And then Miggy, and that's the thing, you know, they, everybody loves cannabis, but they just don't agree on how to do it. And Man. so now the, in Washington state, it's not the Republicans. It was a lot of the Democrats that are trying to get their uh, their extract levels like away from like purity, which means that it's pure THC, you know, and that there's no impurities in it all the way down to 10 percent, which means you have to cut it with a lot more things and dilute it. And what are you going to be diluting it with? You know, it's also uh, the Democrats holding up our homegrown issue, too, in the committees, which, you know, we thought Democrats were the good guys. I don't know who the fuck's the good guy no more. But um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, another conversation. Uh, yeah. So for work, uh, you guys, do you guys have analytics for like each state as far as like the pay scales? Like for me, when people ask how to get into the industry or they say what do you want to do, I say bud tender is the first step. You know, that's your first foothold into any state because each state has different laws. And, you know, here in Washington, the bud tender provides a living wage only for one person. It's not like. I could do what I do as a bud tender and support a family of four in Seattle. That's yeah. not going to work, but, but it's still a good living wage for a single person. And, mm -hmm. and where do you see the wages at state to state? Like what's the range from? Yeah. I mean, so unfortunately I'm not, I'm not able to share what our data shows right now, but hopefully that's because it's proprietary. Come on. That's why we have to <laughs> spill the beans. Yeah, we're, we're, we're working on some aggregate data to show more than just compensation, but friends and how long you actually stay in your job. Because a lot of what we're seeing is that bud tenders are turning over less than four months. And why is that? Is that because of, of salary? Is that because of culture? Or is that because of lack of benefits? And so there's a lot of assumptions that can be made. We want to be able to kind of package that data up with some, some real answers. But um, I'm in Denver, which I think is a little bit of a, a different train. But in 2022, our minimum wage goes up to $15 an hour. And so some organizations like Terrapin Care Station up in Boulder, they're already implementing a $15 minimum wage for their bud tenders just to kind of get ahead of that and stay competitive and, and just do the right thing in general. But um, it's it's difficult. I, I know Green to Go in Washington, um, they have a pretty 
awesome salary and, and benefits options for all of their staff, including benefits. I think it it just depends on the organization and state to state. And I mean, taxes are such a huge burden. Like we can in Illinois, you get points. You get specific points for uh, having a living wage. And so when I'm putting together my applications for one of my teams, I'm like, all right, well, let's go to this living wage calculator from MIT and figure out exactly what you should be paying your bud tenders mm -hmm. so that you know you put that right in there and then you're going to score more points because on the Illinois application, they're talking about this social equity, justice, restoring the communities that have been most uh, detrimentally impacted. And then are you paying a living wage? Are you giving them retirement benefits? Because they know it's a cash flow. Even after you pay all your taxes, they know it's a cash flow. Uh, yeah. unless, of course, you're doing some of those um, management LLCs, which the uh, tax courts have started to strike down, where you try to suck it all out and turn it into to, you know, traditional businesses that you can deduct expenses. But even then, they know it's a cash flow. So they want you to be paying your employees before they're really paying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. Well, and like, you know, you talk about social equity as an employee going in, thinking about the ways that you give back to your community and how, you know, you're building that into your everyday culture is would be an important aspect to me in, in joining a company as well. So yep. there's a lot to consider there. Heather, you've been part of the uh, the cannabis like backbone business for a while before yeah. we were talking to Green Room about MJ Freeway, but I also saw that you were at South by Southwest. Our organization was, yeah, work was at South by Southwest, and actually our CEO Keegan Peterson is going to be there with um, Cy Scott from Headset and a couple of our leading investors, Emily Paxia from Poseidon and Tahira, and um, yeah, I think it's it, it's always an interesting opportunity to get in front of a crowd that's not cannabis specific, like. You know, I've been doing cannabis trade shows for six years and you get one opportunity to go somewhere else that um, has just outside of our bubble and be yeah. able to talk to them about um, the challenges that they probably had no idea were happening. Um, and well, that, I, thought South I thought South by Southwest was an Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that that group right there, which you just mentioned with headset, I mean, that's a that's a big analytical company between him, mm -hmm. them, and and you at work. I mean, that the 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 knowledge between those two has got to be pretty good if they can bounce numbers to, to each other. Yeah, um, sounds like those numbers are proprietary, though. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's funny is you think about, I mean, and I'm sure headset and BDS and a lot of the other data companies have faced this challenge before is, is making sure that we're consistent. And at MJ Freeway, we had this issue too. When you talk about a product at one dispensary, you may say Bubba Kush strain. And then the way that you put it in your seed to sale software and another, um, and another dispensary down the street could be BKS. And so when you think about bringing that data together, especially from uh, HR and people management perspective is, is titles. So you may have a master cultivator or a head grower or a head farmer. And so we're having to kind of go through. And the other, the other issue is some, some people quite honestly just aren't even tracking that data correctly. Wow. Um, and no matter how much we try to enforce, you know, best practices and, and ways to not only get the data to the rest of the world, but just for yourself to be able to benchmark against your other competitors, you have to be consistent in the way that you maintain your data. And data integrity is gonna be an issue for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, we're considering like all the crosses and strains. I mean, 
you can't track all that. I mean, right. just so, and then every state is its own unique pond because there's no interstate transfers at all. It's all because that's when the federal crimes really come up. If it's like, I'm going to ship this legal weed from Illinois all the way to Colorado, you know, in this, in this hypothetical world, Illinois actually has bulk legal weed sitting around. <laughs> but that's also called that version. Yeah, that's right. But uh, that that's when you really go cross state lines. That's interstate commerce. That is the purview of the uh, the actual, you know, that's why we have Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. And uh, that's also why uh, Controlled Substances Act exists. Uh, I'm not sure why uh, cannabis uh, is called marijuana and next to heroin in it, but that's where it's been for 50 years. And it seems like Congress doesn't really care to change it. Yeah. Heather, how do you guys get around the uh, 280E issue? So um, one of the ways that we help our operators is just tracking where their employees are and what tasks they're doing. So um, part of what 280E says is that you can't actually deduct when you're trafficking a substance. And so when a bud tender is selling or trafficking a product, that task isn't deductible according to 280E. But if that same bud tender then leaves the front of the house and does something that's not considered part of the process, um, like rolling pre-rolls, for example, that task and that time can be deductible. And so we figured out a way to report um, for operators to be able to optimize their deductions against 280E. And um, again, it's something that we have figured out and is different for us than some other mainstream payroll providers out there and has been pretty helpful for a lot of our um, clients. And it's not just payroll, but it's also HR that you guys offer, right? Yeah. So when you think about when an employee comes on board or even when you start to put together a job description, you have to post that job description ideally to a couple of different job boards and then have to track those applicants and send them emails, letting them know that they're moving to the next interview stage. And then they have to go through, once you've decided to hire them, all of the paperwork for that. So um, making sure that you file them as a 1099 or um ensuring that they get their W-2s and their W-4s. And so all of that kind of payroll slash labor management happens within our system. And then the nice thing about it is you don't have to have disparate technology systems to manage your workforce. So you don't have to have a separate system for scheduling and a separate system for clocking in and clocking out. Our entire app is mobile friendly too, and it can be geofenced. So when your cultivator gets on site, they can clock in, clock out, they can change their tasks so you can track if they have happened to go to the front end of the house and start selling um, for 280E. So there's a lot of, of benefits rolled into one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We aren't allowed to do the pre-roll stuff here in Illinois. Kind of a bummer, you know, so you can't do that. But we were talking earlier about this transporter license and what its business model is going to be. That might be a way that they're going to try to put that onto 280E. So when you're buying your inputs as a dispensary, you'd be like, all right, well, the wholesale price for this cannabis that we can deduct was this. And here's the delivery fee, which was that. We could mm-hmm. also deduct that, deduct that delivery fee. But then maybe also like the, the labor for stocking the shelves. Uh, but then you start trafficking in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I saw, not to plug us, but I saw someone came in and asked for a website. The name of our company is Work. It's actually W-U-R-K. 
Um, yeah, we've got a umlaut yeah. on my shirt too. Right. <laughs> um, so our website is Enjoy Work, W-U-R-K. And our, our founder was like, this is a different kind of work in the cannabis industry. It's something that we do with a smile. And so that was the thought process with the umlaut. We are not a German company. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good positive. Uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. With cool. you, the HR thing, it's a, you all... it's a smile with the dots and the U. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought it was work. Yeah. yeah. No, work. Hey, uh, so do you guys also help with the hiring process too? Not as much. So um, I mentioned a lot about being able to post the the um, job descriptions and track your applicants, but we really we've partnered very closely with banks, um, and especially because they're local to Denver too. But they've been around for quite a while and have quite a bit of employees on their system. So we refer a few clients to them if they're looking for a lot of contract or gig workers. And then we have a few recruiting firms that specialize more in the C-level placements too. So um, we've got a, a good network. We've been around since 2015 and it's, we're able to kind of create those relationships in staffing, but also with banking and accounting and other areas too. Oh, so you guys got a huge footprint with the, uh, um, the South by Southwest thing and working with headset and, you know, making moves. Uh, good shit. Yeah, and then like, Illinois has got a whole new fertile ground for you because uh, this spring, uh, well, actually, I guess it be summer, May and July, uh, you're going to f- have access to a whole new round of yeah. people that need your services. And then next year, uh, an, an even bigger round out of Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're actually about to to kick off a little bit of a campaign in Illinois. We just um, launched one in Missouri as well. And so a lot of what we're doing with these operators is just educating them about the risks of managing HR themselves or um, doing it with simple systems like a spreadsheet or even just QuickBooks and the benefit of working with someone that actually understands the potential for scale and setting yourself up for acquisition if that's where you're going and um, being ready for audits, et cetera, et cetera. So. Which are coming. Dispensaries, the dispensaries are the ones that get audited the most. The, uh, mm-hmm. we still are going to be electing the S corp status or yeah, probably the S corp status for the, the, uh, the manufacturers of it. So they have less IRC 280 E still some, but less. And then they also are less likely to, um, you know, engage in the type of management downstreaming LLCs that just, are red flags to the IRS to be like, Hey, come here, audit me. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys service though is essential when it comes to infrastructure of a legit business slash industry. Um, and you guys, you're getting into medicals with Missouri. Are you also looking into like Oklahoma and stuff like oh, that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we service. So every vertical, every state with a regulated market, whether it's adult use or medical, um, Oklahoma has been interesting, as I'm sure you know, just because there's such a plethora of licenses with a lot of um, we'll see and, and kind of wait until it happens. We've got a few clients there um, that are really small market, maybe three or four operators right now within their uh, business structure. So we're hoping that that kind of starts to roll up into something in, in the right way, of course. But um it's a little bit harder of a sell for a two, three person employee company. Not that we can't support them. It's just, you know, that's a little bit of a revenue chunk if they're not uh, 
prepared for that. But I think it's only a matter of time here in Washington when it was medical. Uh, you saw people become millionaires. And at the same time, the smart ones reinvested their money in a business and actually found people like you to say, hey, I need to be a real big grown up, you know, as opposed <laughs> to just some guy with a garden who sells it out of his trunk and it makes a lot ton of money and then disappears. Yeah. Uh, you offer a fundamental. It's like with Tom. Tom does contracts. And it's like, it's so fucking boring. <laughs> but so it's so essential. Boring. It's so it's terrible. Essential. It's like watching. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. payroll and HR isn't exactly that exciting, but it's a very necessary piece of the puzzle. Uh, I and say that bookkeeping just is not exciting as payroll and HR. <laughs> But it's necessary. I mean, I I knew a lot about the seed to t- seed to sale kind of chain of custody process prior to joining work, and not a lot about HR and taxes. And it's pretty fascinating how much can really go wrong when you don't file things correctly or when you're not. They'll uh, disallow it. They'll disallow, and then they might have penalties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those penalties can rack up. Um, and the other the other crappy thing is that. We've had clients come to us that say, I have been kicked off of my payroll provider, such as ADP, uh, with two weeks notice to find a new solution. And transitioning from a payroll system isn't like a push of the button thing. There's quite a bit of data that has to come over and implementation and onboarding. And um, it's it's really unfortunate. And so we're trying to do a lot of education right now on, again, the importance of partnering with, with companies that know cannabis and have worked in it before. So ADP doesn't support the the payroll. That's no. wild. No, the largest don't like QuickBooks. Yeah. They also not because one of the thing I'm not doing anything illegal, but they asked me if I did. <laughs> watching, but Cosmic Lettuce is, and she asked a question. Uh, Cosmic Lettuce, I'm not sure what gender it is. Asks a question: Are cannabis testing labs trafficking? Let's discuss that as if we were a. Um, oops, sorry, as if we were a, an actual show. Yeah, I don't think so though. I mean, you're just verifying a, a plant. That's all you're doing. You're saying it is what it is. There's no, yeah, a testing lab isn't actually doing any kind of transaction. That's um, right. I guess you're, you're being paid for services and you are plant touching, but you're not selling to a consumer. And I think you'd be able to deduct it as well. I, I think that would be cost of goods sold. So if I'm the craft grower and I have regulations on top of me that says I must do this test before I can sell it and it must test clean on such and such, then I'd be like, all right, great. Now I'm allowed to sell it. It's not that I'm trafficking. It's that I'm complying with the statutes so that I'm allowed to sell it. So I would I would say that that's even uh, outside the bounds of IRC 280E and definitely not trafficking. No. Trafficking is, hey, you want to buy some weed? Yeah. And then sell the weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually can share afterwards, we've got kind of a breakdown of what is and what isn't deductible when it comes to your your workforce, at least. Um, oh, awesome. can you, is that like a, is that an image? Um, it's a PDF, yeah. So right, uh, give it to Lauren, and then we'll put it on the web page that we're going to make on this uh, interview. Yeah, that'd be great. We have a ton of resources on 280E2 um, on our website. So if you have questions about it when it comes to not only labor but outside of labor as well that's a great resource i mean there's a lot of people who want to get into business but don't know what to expect it's complicated um 280e i mean it's an incredibly gigantic burden that's just so archaic and stupid (laughs) yeah just like schedule one marijuana 
Yeah. It feels kind of ironic too when you're paying your taxes, and then sometimes these people get raided, and we're paying for ourselves to get raided. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, we had uh, Glenn Keeling. Uh, was that his name? On yeah, uh, poor poor man, a medical patient out of Ohio. But it was because like you know, Lance Glore got arrested too when medical was kind of new in uh, Washington State, and so yeah. medical was very new in Ohio, and then arrested. And yeah. the the case isn't moving anywhere, but they haven't dropped it. Yeah, just like the Kettle Falls Five here, we had uh, I think probably about four or five years their case was drawn out. I mean, justice ain't quick when it comes to weed because yeah. people are confused still. Um, even they're in two thousand eleven, okay. they're prejudiced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean I commend a lot of the organizations uh, like Last Prisoner Project and some of the others that are popping up to help expunge some records. There's still so much work to do. Do you offer anything like that from work? Is there any social equity stuff that you guys provide for the employers? You know, that I, I wish that we were doing more in that area. Our managed services team will help develop some employee handbooks and policies that talk about how to um, communicate your culture and, and what's important to you to your employees. We've contributed to Last Prisoner Project and we've been um, sponsors of Women at the Initiative. We've been sponsors of MCBA, Minority Cannabis Business Association. So there's ways that we're giving it back financially. I want to do more of the kind of resume building and um, interview best practices and, and give more. There's just, there's so much, you know, that we could be doing that we yeah. should be doing more of. So hopefully soon. Well, you know, the resume building and the job training is all things that, you know, People say, hey, I want to do this, but yet I don't know how to have a cover letter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's essential to be a grown up. A lot of us yeah. aren't taught how to do this. Yeah, I think you want to do this. You don't have a cover letter and you're trying to get an industry that's regulated like it's an airline or a hospital. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's and there's really no certifications. There's no education. There's no training in, in what cannabis is. I mean, I know Oaksterdam and Tricome and, and some of these other organizations are really putting together some good educational content on that, but nothing that's been nationally certified and, and recognized to to really help people have a foot in when they go into interviews and things. Yeah, well, there's only one federal recognized organic cannabis farmer that we had on the show, and that was Farmer Tom. Oh, yeah, Farmer Tom. <laughs> Love that guy. People out of grow cannabis. Yeah. Yep. I, well, he's doing his hemp university now. You know, he's focused on the hemp angle, but mm-hmm. which is great. I would follow his stuff. He's producing videos now. Um, I guess now's the time where people should start looking at hemp seeds and doing all kinds of other stuff. But uh, now he's producing a series about like what you should be doing this week, which I think is great. But yeah, that is cool. Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Can you spell out your website once again for the podcast listeners? Absolutely. It's enjoywork, W-U-R-K dot com. And we've got all the social media, too. If you want to check us out on Instagram, we have a very culture-focused feed on there so you can see what our team's about and what we're doing here in Denver. And I appreciate you guys listening. If you have any questions, we're, we're open to answering them. Just use the contact form on our website. Sweet. Thanks. And, Tom, who do we have coming on this Sunday? Oh, this Sunday, we're going to have uh, Mr. Cannabis Law, Dustin Robinson. So we're going to be discussing everything about Florida cannabis law and where Florida is going with cannabis legalization. So if you guys have Florida, uh, you know, on your mind or any type of relations there and you want to learn what's going on, please tune in on Sunday. Sweet. As always, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye bye.
Uh. Oh. 